Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. Good morning, People's Church. Um, it's an honor to be with you guys this morning. I was going to say good morning, but now it's afternoon. So <laughs> we're having a Holy Ghost morning, and now we're going to have a Holy Ghost afternoon. Can I get an amen? Um, well, hey, um, I was on a business trip this, this, uh, this week. So we flew into Seattle on, um, on Monday and traveled the whole up to Prosser, Washington, and, and all around looking at apples and looking at peaches and apricots and all that stuff. So we, so we were uh, meeting with some brokers and doing all that stuff, and it was really good. And I just figured, you know what, we're going to end our trip in Portland, so I got to see my dad. I got to see Nanan. And um, my intention was not to preach at all, but he's like, if you're going to be here, you got to preach. So, so thank you, Dad, and um, thank you, Nanan. Honor you guys. Thank you. Mike and Teresa and Tiffany, um, can we just give it up for the worship team this morning? That was, um, I, I'm sitting, I'm sitting back there playing, and a lot of stuff going on in your head. You know, you're gonna preach, and you know all this stuff. And I just had this sense that this is a world class church. I just kept hearing a phrase that this is a world class church, and and you need to realize that and begin to take that identity. Uh, on yourself and just realize that what God has done doesn't even compare to what he's going to do uh, in this house. And um, I'm a willing recipient. You guys are a willing recipient. And thanks for, thanks for being here this morning. Thanks for uh, being willing to be used by God. And um, how many of you guys ready for the word of God? Um, well, hey, I'm ready, and uh, let's say a quick little prayer, and then we'll jump in. Heavenly Father, we open our hearts, we open our lives, we open our minds, and Jesus, we just ask that you would come in and say what you need to say to us this morning. I pray that you would go beyond what I can do, beyond what I can say, and Holy Spirit, would you do this? Just begin to ask the Holy Spirit to shape and mold, just in whatever words you can, just, just prepare the heart, prepare your, prepare your life for, for what the Lord is going to do in your name. Jesus, we welcome you. Amen. Well, um, I hate airports. Um, and so I just want to open up with that. I hate airports. And just so you guys know, um, if you travel a lot, or, um, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, if you don't travel a lot, you, you are blessed and you are highly favored. Uh, but I hate airports. And, and here's why. Because you're always uncomfortable. You're not there and you haven't arrived yet. You're not where you started. You haven't arrived yet. You're in between. You're in between. I don't even know if airports have zip codes. They're just kind of like this, this like, you know, vortex in, 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 in every city where it's like, you know, everybody's unhappy, everybody's sick, and everybody's, you know. So, so the worst is, is when you're traveling internationally, and I got to do this a little bit, I travel internationally. Before you get on the airport, you got to get on the bus. So we get on the bus, and just so you guys know, they don't, you know, they don't wait for everyone to just ha- be seated. They wait until that thing is standing room only, packed. Everyone's sweating. It's humid. It's nasty. And and you're you know and then you know you're you're going over to the to the staging area and then they put you on the plane. And how many of you guys know that some of our Christian walks can be like that? 
You know, this doesn't necessarily feel like I'm the head and not the tail. I'm, 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 I'm overcoming. I'm, I'm doing all these things that are, you know, changing the generations and changing the world. And a lot of times our Christian walk can be in between. You can be neither here nor there. And, and I very distinctly felt the Holy Spirit speak to me the message that I want to preach to you guys this morning. It's really simple. And I want to introduce, I want to be the guy that actually tells you something really, uh, something you're going to like this morning. I, th- I think you're going to like it. And a lot of us get caught up in, um, in, in, in things that you really don't need to get. So, so, you know, some of us get caught up in, in looking at, you know, theologies that are, that are, you know, don't wear a hat in church or, or, you know, brush your teeth every morning and, and, and all that stuff. And, and I, I want to say this this morning that I want to introduce, it's called the law of first mention. And I believe that the first thing that you need to do as a Christ follower is sit with him. Before you can walk with him and before you can stand with him, you got to sit with him. And I felt very, uh, very, in, you know, um, the Holy Spirit speak to me. And, and, and it's, it's the very first posture Jesus people and Jesus worshipers are supposed to take. The law of first mention in Scripture, it's key. And we emphasize what Scripture, scripture emphasizes. So a lot of us get hung up on head coverings and thinly mentioned topics. And we should be concerned with loving Jesus, loving people, forgiving each other. As we have been forgiven, these are the things, and, and we emphasize what Scripture emphasizes. So, so, um, so I want to read a few really quick Scriptures to introduce this first mention of the posture. We, it's interesting, we're not always clued into the posture of Jesus, but there, there's about 13 different Scriptures that mention the posture of Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? And so check this out, Mike. You can throw that up there. Matthew 13, 1. It says this. That day, Jesus went out, out of the house and was sitting by the sea. Matthew 13, 2. And large crowds gathered to him. So we got into a boat and he sat down. And the whole crowd was standing on the beach. Mark 4, 1. He began to teach again by the sea. And a very large crowd gathered to him. And he got into the boat into the sea, and he sat down. Now, I've been in these boats on the Sea of Galilee, actually, before, and they're large, and, and you would think that, you know, if you're going to preach, how often, you know, I can think of my kind of crazy, crazy posture on stage where often I'm running around yelling and screaming and, you know, thinking I'm changing the world. And you see this this. This thing that Jesus does, what does he do? He, he sits and he teaches. He sits and he teaches. And, and it says this, it, he began to teach again by the sea and such a very large crowd gathered to him and he got into the boat in the sea and he sat down and the whole crowd was by the sea. Luke chapter four, verse 20. It says this, thank you, Mike, for following along. You are the man. It says this, he closed the book and he gave it to the attendant and he sat down. <laughs> Think about that. And it says the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. Just so you guys know, 
he launches his ministry sitting down. What? Okay, so, you know, maybe we should actually look at this. Maybe we should actually take into consideration the posture of Jesus. He, he, you know, when he launches his ministry, he took up the scroll of Isaiah. And he said, and this, this prophecy of Isaiah, which was hundreds of years before him, and it says, I have been anointed. I have been sent to, to heal the blind, to, to cleanse the leper. And he begins to say these radical, difficult things sitting down. So all the, and, and you know, you know, church today is, is really not set up like, like that because we have screens and we have all this stuff. And, and you know, you, you typically hear, you know, somebody standing up. And, and I was really thinking about preaching this message sitting down, but I, I won't do that. Um, but just to make a point. But Matthew 26, verse, uh, vi, Matthew 26, verse 55, it says, At that time Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me? Um, as you would a robber, every day I used to sit in the temple teaching, and you didn't seize me. Mark 9.35, sitting down. It's kind of weird, isn't it? It's kind of interesting. Sitting down, he called the 12, and he said to them, if anyone wants to be first, he shall be last and servant of all. A significant, get this, a significant part of following Jesus is rest. Letting go, relying. I'll say it really simple. Relaxing and trusting Jesus. Whew. The first posture as a Jesus follower and worshiper is to sit with him. So some of you are asking, and, and I, even, I even thought of this, and some of you are asking, what, what am I signing up at the People's Church? What am I signing up for following Jesus and, and all this stuff? And, and I literally thought of, I, I saw a picture in my head of people showing up with your notes and like we all do, and, and, and saying, like, I literally, I got one last shot in me. I got one last try. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up. I'm going to take notes. I'm going to try. I'm going to do this. And, and this, is the, this is the American way, isn't it? You don't, you don't really hang out with somebody and ever hear somebody come up and say, man, I want to give you props, bro. You sit well. Right? It's, it's not that. It's, it's I want to give you props, man. You are like really good at relaxing. It's not like that. It's the opposite. The American's like, man, I, get, I go hard, bro. I go hard. I'm up at four in the morning. I go till midnight. I, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, go pray. Go, go, man. You go. That's the American. That's, that's, what we, that's what we've been trained. I even I was running this message by some friends. I've been sitting on this message for two weeks now. Thanks, Dad. And, and um, no, it was really good. But I'm, sit, I'm sitting with my friend, and we're, we're sitting by a fire. And even my buddy, who's very, very prophetic, he's like, well, you know, sitting doesn't, doesn't mean just sitting. It means to be all this. And it's like, hold on. And I love that because, we, you know, friend, you challenge each other, right? And, and, and there's different seasons. But, but Christianity doesn't begin with a big do. It begins with a big done. Whoo, come on. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20. It says this. This is crazy. All right, we're going to go on this journey. 
says this, that he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and he seated him at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. So wait, get this, get this. The first thing Jesus does after he's raised from the dead is he goes up and he sits down. He sits down. And, and okay, so he's doing physical ministry, meeting with his disciples, preaching, sitting down, introducing radical topics in the temple, launching his ministry, Isaiah chapter 4, sitting down. What, what's going on? And, and as soon as Jesus was resurrected, he sat down. What I'd like to do today is to describe three things that sitting represents for you and me as followers of Jesus. The last time I spoke, the whole theme of the weekend, and we went long, and we were, we were changing the world. We, it was all what we're going to do, what we're going to do. And you can see those, those things starting to be implemented. And I, I, and I can remember the first time I walked into the sanctuary, I heard in my spirit a change of atmosphere. A change of atmosphere, a new air. And isn't it funny, there's a brand new change of atmosphere, even physically with this air conditioner that, that's in here. So just, th- just, just begin to just realize that the Holy Spirit's working. And, and so, so what I'd like to do is, is um, the last time we were talking about reaching out, what we're going to do, but being Jesus people to the community and, and the action that we're going to take. And this time, blame this on the Holy Spirit. He wants you to connect with him. He wants you to sit with him. This is a message directly from the Holy Spirit. Um, but let me, let me say this. Ephesians 2, verse 6. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, let me check this out. I've heard this. I've heard my dad preach literally on the night that Jesus was portrayed. When I heard him this morning saying that, I started crying because I have all these memories of literally just, I've been playing drums for a long time at worship, worship ministries. And I've heard this man be faithful and preach his entire life, whether it's in the Yukon, whether it's in the United States, it don't, or, or um, Vancouver, Washington. But this, this is the thing. In Ephesians 2, it says, raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places. I used to think that this was future-based. I used to think that this was, well, you know, one day when I die, I'm going to be seated, you know, in some really probably cool chair <laughs> somewhere. And I always thought it was kind of like a, like a, like a, um, like a positional thing, like a, an authority thing, like, well, I've been seated. You know the word heavenly doesn't mean heaven, as you would think of it? It means beautiful. Now, let me, let me, so you can sit in a garden, you can sit by a river, you can sit in a beautiful place and realize that what Christ has done for you, it is complete, it is finished, and you can actually positionally be seated with Christ in heavenly places. Woo! That's powerful to me because I often do that. I'll go and find a beautiful place and just take on what Jesus has done for me. Take on what Jesus and rest. It's, it, um, there's a famous book called um, Sit, Walk, Stand by Watchman Nee. And it says this, only those who can sit can stand. Our power for standing and for walking lies in having first been made to sit together with Christ. The Christians walk and warfare alike derive the strength from their position there. If he's not sitting before God, he cannot hope to stand 
before the enemy. Rest is one of the purest forms of worship we have left on earth. You may not be good at it, but you're doing it. You know what? God actually put inside of our bodies the mechanism of rest. Where you work, you do your work all day. We redo the, we redo the, the sanctuary. We redo all the stuff. We work hard. But then at night, we go home and we lay down our heads and we say, God, this is all you've ever asked for me. I'm living my dream. I'm called. I'm content. And thank you, Father, for a beautiful day. And then you rest. Why has God put that? I, I can remember my daughter. She would... We, one of our houses, we had a pool, and they would swim all day when they were little, man. Their hair turned blonde, and they would swim and, and all this stuff. And I, and I tried to find the picture, but, but they would come in, and Tam would sit them around the table. And I can remember Abby, our, our oldest, she literally sleep eating. <laughs> she eating popcorn, and it's like, she's asleep. She's asleep. She's, she's worked so hard. She's done everything that she's known how to do, and, she's, and she comes in, and her body says, hey, it's time. It's time to rest. Rest is one of the purest forms of worship that you can do. Why? Because, let me say this. Have you ever woken up and say, oh, wow, the world was okay without me? I just turned off four hours and woke up and everything just kept going. Evidently, the world can go on without you or me. (laughs) Isn't that a beautiful thing? He's handling... India, he's handling Mexico, he's handling Thailand, he's handling China, he's hand, thank God, right? Thank you, Jesus. You can rest, you can put your head down, and you can know that God is in control. And I, I seriously think this is actually comical with us because a lot of us take on stuff that we were never, never meant to carry or take on. We, we just take it on. And, and, and we actually miss what the Holy Spirit is trying to say. Rest is the act of saying, I am not God. And while I sleep, the God will take care of me and everything in it. Whew. Come on. Here's three, here's three reasons I think we should sit with Jesus. So sit with Jesus, number one, and realize it's complete. It's done. Christianity begins not with a big do, but with a big done. After all the hours on the cross he suffered, he, start, he stated what? It is finished. Whew. Once it's done, you don't need to add to it. And there's a lot of wisdom in this room, and I can sense it. I can see it. I'm very thankful for it. And you guys, I know you guys are getting this. Once it's done, you don't need to add to it. You don't need to add to it. I got a 1963 Nova one time, and I got to tell you this story. And I bought it as is. (laughs) And you guys know that. So after it it puked its lungs out and did all this stuff, boom, it was like the Uncle Buck car. Um, It ran pretty good. It ran pretty good, and my brother, who's my older brother, Jason, if you know him, you'll get this. He asked me one day, he said, he said, bro, can I borrow the Nova, man? I want to go to Jack in the Box and get some tacos. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, sure, go for it, dude. And, and immediately in my head, I'm like, this is going to end up bad. 
This is this. If you know my brother and a 1963 Nova, it's not. It's not good. 20 minutes later, 20 minutes later, I get a call. Bro, the rear end fell out of the car. Literally fell out of the car. I'm like, what the? What that? This car was like beautiful. It had an inline. It had the original inline six. It ran great. You just had to kind of like baby it. You just had to kind of like treat it, you know, just respect the age, right? And my brother takes it. He guns it out of Jack in the Box drive through with tacos, dollar tacos, blows the rear end out of the car. Like, my goodness, bro. And you know, okay. So I use that. I, of course, got my beautiful wife's permission, but I use that to begin the resto project, right? So I, I get online, and, and Dad, he walks me through. He's like, Greg, you want this. You want this. So I, I go on to Chris Alston's chassis works. I get a brand new chassis, get a brand new rear end, A-arms, a everything, and get it delivered to my house where it sits in boxes in my garage, and the car's sitting there not doing anything. And you got to love my dad because he would come over, and it was just, he was just right down the street, and he would come over in his overalls, his radio, his tools, and he had a key, so he'd just go in and he'd begin to build. He'd begin to build. And I, can, I, I would be like so excited because I got, I spent all this money and, and you know, the Nova's going to become something that I never thought it would be. And I would go outside and I'd sit there with dad and, and I'd watch him begin to do things that I couldn't do. You see, I couldn't add to what he was doing because I didn't have the ability. So I would hold the flashlight I get a wrong socket, whatever it was. And then finally I realized I'm not helping, am I? So I'd go in and I'd sit by the fire by Tam and we'd just sit and relax. And I realized, dad's got it. Dad's got it. Some of us today need to realize that you can't add to it. You can't add to it. Dad's got it. The Holy Spirit's got it. You see, he didn't, he didn't do, I mean, do we honestly think that God is upstairs counting the hours that we do in prayer? Can I say that? Do you honestly think that he's sitting there watching and going, okay, once you hit the certain point, once you get there, ah, there we go. I'll, I'll, I'll release it. Now, I'm not saying we don't pray, we don't contend. But I'm saying, do we honestly think that it's on our actions and our strength that things are done in the heavenlies? Let me just free you of the responsibility of living righteous in your own righteousness because it's not your own righteousness. It is the righteousness of Jesus Christ that is put on you and that is literally done through you. So relax, take it off. Realize that what God has done, he has begun a good work and he will see it to its completion. Dad has got it. This is such a hard, I'm stepping on some toes right now. I feel it. Because it's, no, 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 I got that. I got that. Okay. Let's see how that works out for you. Oh, no, 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 get, get, man, I I got that. I got that. And, And God is just up in heaven going, I guess he's got it. 
I guess. Look at him go. Look at the little guy go. Literally, if I would have added to what my dad was building in the car, I would have got on the freeway and died. Do you get super simple? Why do we sit with Jesus? Well, we can get our little business plan and we can get our, oh, we're going to go change the world. We're going to go do this. And oh, what? Well, we left Jesus back there. He's over there. But man, you should see my, my, my class. It's, it's really cool. Whoa. I've done this before, so I'm speaking from experience. And eventually the Holy Spirit wrecks you and you finally get on his, his thing. So number one, And this is really hard. Believe me, I'm preaching to myself. This is a message that I'm preaching to myself. Realize, Greg, People's Church, we sit with Jesus because we realize it's done. Dad's got it. Number two, sitting with Jesus gives us contentment. Complete, but content. How's your contentment level? How are you guys doing with that? Complete, but content. 1 Timothy 6, 6 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. See, godliness creates progress, growth, development. Godly means, godliness means God thoughts. It doesn't mean not wearing a hat, always brushing your teeth, make sure you wear deodorant, do this, show up on time. That's, that's, some of the stuff God can't help you with, you just got to do. Godliness is someone that just keeps their mind on God, and it, it, with contentment, it, it, it's a great gain. Contentment is attractive. Have you ever met somebody that had big dreams? You meet somebody, they have huge dreams, and they're like, and I have friends like this. Oh, I'm starting this business. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And then two years later, how's the business going? Oh, that didn't happen, but I'm content. Let me challenge you, and let me say this, and let me present this idea Godliness with a spirit of contentment, with God's thoughts on your mind, breeds attractiveness to this city. When you're content in what God has done for you already, it is an attractive thing to the city where the city will begin to come and be drawn to this place. Not based on your program. Based on the overflow of your heart and what you do with Jesus. It's, it's, it's just an amazing thing. So sitting with Jesus, it, it gives us, it's complete. It gives us, it, it, it creates a sense of contentment. How are you doing with contentment? I pray that you would experience a deeper sense of godliness. I pray that you would experience a deeper sense of godliness. And lastly, Sitting with Jesus gives us confidence. Complete, content, and confident. Hebrews 10.35 says, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Last week, let me say this. Last week, I was sitting in, in, uh, I was on a lunch break in Napa, and there's a beautiful heavenly place that I go to. It's a garden it's usually about 74 degrees, trees, shade, beautiful. I'll go there for my lunch break, and I'll sit with the windows down, and the breeze will blow through, listen to, you know, a podcast, listen to something, uh, read some scripture, and I usually take a power nap. Yeah, I do that. I'm getting at the age where I take a power nap, and, and, um, and it's crazy. I was sitting there. I've done this for almost five years, 
And I look behind me, and there's a, a gentleman who looks to be um, medicated. And um, <laughs> saying it nicely. And, and I see him in my rearview mirror, and I look behind him, and we, we lock eyes. We lock eyes. And immediately I felt like um, the Holy Spirit said, I have this dope little uh, Gerber knife in my, um, in my glove box. And, and I, I'm serious. I'm not kidding you. I felt like I was like, get the knife. <laughs> so I get this knife. I have no idea what's going to happen. I'm sitting down. I'm sitting down. I'm totally exposed. I'm sitting down. I get the knife. My shoes are off. It's lunchtime, man. And I get the knife, and I, and I have it open in my, and it's not like a big knife. It's like a little baby knife, but I have it open, right? And sure enough, dude, this guy, he comes right on the back of my car, and he comes right up to me. And he looks into my car, and I have this knife open, and I show it to him. Right? I'm sitting here. I'm like, oh, we about ready to like, is something going to happen right now? And I'm not the biggest guy ever. And, and this guy's kind of a big guy. And he's like, he goes, what's your name? And I was like, hey, man, dude, I'm on a lunch break, bro. Go, like, I'm trying to take a nap. Like, get out of here. Like, take your tweakerness and go, you know. And he asked me, what's your name? And I was like, I was like you need to go. And he, and he left. And the thought was, when you're confident, when you're sitting down and you're exposed, I, I've come to the conclusion that, you know what, sometimes in the things of the Spirit, when you refuse to act and allow God to act on your behalf, it creates a confidence inside of you. You allow the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's better to just sit back and allow the Holy Spirit to move. You know, I could have jumped out of the car, started yelling, screaming, you know, you know do, doing all this stuff. And, and I was ready. Believe me, I was ready. I was like, I'll stab you right now. <laughs> hey, when it's game on, it's game on. But I, but I didn't. I sat there and the guy moved on. And I want to say this. That's a kind of a crazy point. But this, this is that principle. Rely on God. Rely on God. All right? Uh, that's so funny. All right. I believe this is actually our destiny, to believe Jesus, that Jesus loves me so thoroughly that his finished work completed my salvation, and it's finished. My confidence, not li lies not that he, um, my confidence lies in that he has already completed all that I can't even begin to start. Let me, let me end with this. This is another quote from Watchman Nee. This was God's principle from the beginning. In the creation, God worked from the first to the sixth day, and rested on the seventh. We may truthfully say that for those first six days he was very busy. Then the task he had set himself completed, he ceased to work. The seventh day became the Sabbath of God, and it was God's rest. But what of Adam? When and where did he stand in relationship to the rest of God? Adam, we are told, was created on the sixth day. Clearly then he had no part in those first six days of work. For he came into being only at the end. God's seventh day was in fact Adam's first. Whereas God worked six days and then enjoyed his Sabbath rest, Adam began his life with the Sabbath. For God works before he rests, while man must first enter into God's rest. Then alone can he work. 
Moreover, it was because of God's work of creation was truly complete that Adam's life could begin with rest. And here is the gospel that God has gone one stage further and has completed also the work of redemption that we need to do nothing, whatever to merit it can be, enter by faith directly into the values of his finished work. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. Why? So I can stir the waters up? No, so you can be quiet next to the quiet waters. He prepares a table for me in the midst of my enemies. So today, a simple thought. Before you can run with Jesus, please sit with him. Please sit with him. Reconnect. Maybe some of you guys are in this place to, uh, um, today where you need to reconnect with the Father, reconnect with Jesus. And I, I really feel like the Holy Spirit is challenging us to sit with him, connect with him. Complete, content, confident. Romans 8, last verse. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance. It doesn't say you have earned. We got a lot of earners. We got a lot of runners. We got a lot of earners in the kingdom of God. And I think we need to have a lot of people that just sit back and realize, I have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God, and you will never feel orphaned. Do you guys hear that? For as he raises, rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, we call, qualify to share all his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he has for us. You have received not earned. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much this morning for what you're doing in this church. And God, thank you for a call to sit with you again. Father, forgive us for thinking that we can do this thing on our own. We can do this thing on our efforts. God, it's, it's a strength turned to a weakness at times. Holy Spirit, forgive us of looking in any other direction other than you. Even in your own life this morning, would you just take, take a moment to sit with Jesus, even right now? Sit with him, and if you got to repent of being too rushed in this place, or too hurried over in this place, or you've lost your confidence. Maybe some of you are dealing with insecurity this morning. Let me tell you, that's a result of straying from Jesus. Maybe some of us are dealing with some shame, that, that we have shame in our lives and we, we feel like we've been separated and, and that's a result of not relying and realizing that the work is done, it's completed. I pray that the eyes of Jesus would burn in every soul in this place. I pray that the fire of the Holy Spirit would so burn in the hearts of these people, in my heart, that it would consume our efforts to please you. 
I pray that the Holy Spirit would begin to cause prophecies and dreams and, and the giftings of the kingdom of God like it was in the book of Acts to begin to be birthed into this house. We pray for healings. We pray for restoration. We pray for a complete rebuild into the strategy and the anointing and the confidence of what you have called the People's Church to be in Vancouver, Washington. First and foremost, before we run, we sit. Before we, we stand, we sit. Jesus, even taking communion today, Lord, this is something you implemented. You said, okay, as often, as often as you just stop, stop your labor, stop your work, and as often you remember. Holy Spirit, forgive us, Jesus. Holy Spirit, thank you for what you're going to do in this house, and I pray that everyone this week would have a restful week sitting with the Father and reconnecting and finding the purpose that you have for us. In your name, amen. Yay, thank you, Lord, for your word. Hey, if you need someone to pray with you, if you want someone to pray with you, I'm just going to dismiss the service. I'm going to ask some of those intercessors to come down, and um, we'll just uh, conclude, and we'll pray with you, believe God with you, and believe God for you. Uh, just one little last comment on, on, you know, didn't know what you were preaching, Greg, but it was uh, touched my heart. And you were talking about the car, and I felt the Father say it was, uh, it, it it was my greatest joy to fulfill your dream, work on your dream. And the Father from heaven wants to tell you it's his greatest joy to work on your project and fulfill your dreams. Ha, 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 God bless you. Hey, can some intercessors, come on down if you need prayer. Uh, come on down and these folks will believe God with you. Have a wonderful week. Uh, let's just rest in the Lord and watch what he's going to do in the very midst of us. God bless you all.